Hello and welcome to this special series, which is a collaboration between the World Innovation Summit for Education, the Agile Leaders of Learning Innovation Network, and the Learning Future. We hope you enjoy these conversations where we speak with different leaders from different networks about how do we become a networked leader, one of the key ways that leadership is evolving in terms of what's required for us to lead learning ecosystems. We hope you enjoy. Hello everyone, and welcome to this special series that we are doing in collaboration with the WISE All In Network. Our guest today is the wonderful Karima Kadawi. Uh, I'm your host, Luca Parry, for this podcast, and I'm joined by my co-host, Robin Whitaker. And today, we're going to have a powerful conversation with Karima, who has a wonderful amount of expertise and passion and brilliance to bring to this conversation. She currently is the co-founder and executive president of the Tamkeen Community Foundation for Human Development in Tangier, Morocco. She's been a facilitator and researcher for over 10 years in the Tamkeen Community Foundation and has had the privilege to witness how trust in human potential and unconditional love can create the conditions for societal metamorphosis manifesting and manifested by the emergence of social ecosystems within a, human, a humanizing society. That's a big sentence. and I just can't wait to hear more from Karima about it. She's been on her own, of course, personal growth journey, has 25 years of working in the private sector as a management consultant in the big five, in the public sector, as an advisor to ministers of employment, vocational training, and across the government in, in different social sectors as well. But of course, the most defining experience, she would say, is being the mother of two daughters. A lot of our conversation today will evolve and orbit around the Tamkeen approach, which is a co-created process of inquiry, learning, and understanding, which is embedded in deeply human relationships and epistemic humility. Karima has a master's in mathematics applied to social sciences uh, from the University of Toulouse, Jean Azure uh, from France. And so today we're talking, of course, about leadership and networks. Karima, thank you so much for joining both Robin and I for this conversation. It's a real pleasure to be here. I thank you so much. It's a, it's a privilege actually to be with the, um, in this resonant conversation with you, Luca and Robin. So, yeah. I love this concept of resonance. And I'm, a lot of these conversations revolve around, you know, the emerging future of leadership and you know what all in is trying to do which is to, to kind of connect the right ideas and the right people at the right time to resonate to use your word karima and create change and so a lot of the conversations around you know some of dan pink's work or self-determination theory which is how do we really elevate purpose autonomy and mastery into the center of educational change making and so to kick us off on that conversation i would love for you to tell us a little bit more about the work that you're involved in and the networks that you both participate in, you learn from and that you lead. I, I, will, I would start with um, the question. What was the question that led to all this? And how did that question evolve? Um, so all these experiences that we're talking about, first being a mother, um, my own experience, uh, personal experience as growing up into adulthood, um, working for the government, working in the private sector and social experiences. 
um, just just like to ask the question why mm. why um, why this persistence and why of societal disharmony um, uh, at the time maybe the language was not quite like that 12 years back but why this persistence given that, that at the time the Moroccan government uh, put in a lot of effort, a lot of money for human development processes. Mm. They call it the National Initiative for Human Development in Morocco. And yet um, the manifestations of that societal disharmony um, remained. So we, we started looking at the causes and then we thought that looking at causes was not um, leading us anywhere. We looked at the factors. What are the factors that sustain that? Um, and uh, our new questions emerged, taking us to the confluence, looking at not only the disharmony, the manifestations of disharmony, but looking at all societal phenomena, um, whether pockets of harmony, all this harmony. What mm. is in the conference? What is in the conference? And from that reflection, from reflecting our own experiences, grew what we call the Temkin process, wow. which was to look at our questions, to question them, and, and to realize that our very questions um, are part of the problem. <laughs> And taking us to befriend our dissonances, because realizing that those dissonances were there, and that in those questions were bearing those those uh, dissonances, and and um, so what is a Tenkin process? Well, yes, the the inquiry. There is a learning there, but learning from our experience. So we went deep into our experiences with our different founding mem- members which are in the medical sector, the, the investment banking sector, consultancy mm. sector, bringing all these lenses, different lenses, our personal experiences also. And then these questions, as new questions started to grow, they kind of, kind of there was a resonance there. And that went out, flowed out. We met a community. We actually... Um, and a neighborhood community. And we, we, we met them not looking at what was missing, but rather saying, we would like to know you. We would like to meet you. These mm-hmm. are our questions. So the community, the neighborhood was in the outskirts of Tangier. It took time to grow a partnership, a relationship, a deeply human partnership. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was we call it orchestrated serendipity. The university teacher training uh, in the north of Morocco, they came to us and said, we have teachers, we are training them to go to different communities all over Morocco, sometimes in the countryside, sometimes in the mountain areas. And these teachers, when they go there, um, it's some t- uh, the experience is very hard. And what they're supposed to bring to the community, well, very often is the opposite that happens. Mm. Can you train them? I said, but Tim King, we don't train anyone. But we will co-create with them, with the future teachers, a process. And then was born a metapedagogical approach. How do we learn to learn to co-create the conditions with 
the learners um, for the fantastic. learning process to happen. So schools came, the education system governance bodies came, and this is how things started to, to grow. And they all came with their own questions. And these questions, when they met, new questions emerged. Mm. Karima, there's so many things I, I want to ask, more questions that are emerging in my mind now. Um, I, I just want to just kind of double-click on a couple of things. Orchestrated serendipity is such a fantastic way to think about creating what is a community and how does one create it. You know, coming in with questions. And you said something as well, rather than kind of thinking what's broken and how do we fix it, it's more about what are the questions, what's the emergent possibility um, so keep going on this. Tell us more about this journey. The Tamkin approach seems to have wasn't about, as you say, training anybody. It was about co-creating through a process of inquiry the emergence of a community, if I might put it that way. Just tell us a little bit more about how the network, because you've taken us on how it kind of formed. How does it maintain at the moment? How does it self-govern um, and who's, who's involved um, in it now? Because you're saying your schools are coming on board, education sectors, government, private sector, social sector. Yeah. Tell us a bit about the, the, the who involved. Um, it's um, the, the, there is the who and the how that you're saying here. And I think it's an experience and it's a co-reflected experience. Mm. And it's an experience that grows from an essence. So no matter where it is happening, this experience, um, it is um, in the trusting of the human potential. We go from the beauty, what there is, not what we lack, um, to recognize the beauty there is. It is in the trusting in our humanity that defines us and connects us and growing together an understanding of what does it mean to trust our humanity. And it's in the realizing the existentiality of love, uh, the unconditional love. Mm. And yet if we talk about unconditional, there is a condition, it's its unconditionality. No, so today, sometimes we need to use adjectives in order to, to, to support, to help us going there, but to find the courage to grow a language of compassion and love in the different communities. So when that essence is there, the focus of attention changes. What matters is there our relationship. And from that relationship, new fields of possibilities open up. Mm. New co-imagined possibles, future possibles, are experienced. So this is when you hear a school said, say, with Tempkin, we found a chemical formula for something that is magical. We are humanizing the school. This is where we hear in the neighborhood, a young man saying the love, um, violence used to bring us together. We used to, find the, we used to fight the next door neighborhoods. Yeah. Gang fights. Today it's love. And we realize that all the community initiatives that we co-created are only but a reason to remain together. Love brings us together. And furthermore, 
violence was in our community, but love also. Here we sense a sense of self transforming, a return of the locus of value. What really matters? When we also hear students, university students saying, I am here with you in the future, building the future. I'll go back to my present. That's great. And the past that brought my present. But I am in the future, building the future. So who is university students, schools, neighborhoods? But when we experience that essence, that deep human connection, then when these different communities meet, they become one because we meet in that confluence. We're seeing faculties, university, where the students are saying everything changed. Before you would have the law students, the physics students, now we all come together. We would have the bachelor students and the doctoral students, we were not mixed. Now we all come together. Right. Neighborhoods and schools come together, co-reflecting. How do we co-create the conditions? for schools to become a Mekan Mekin, a safe place, where everyone has a place, his place, where love is the ecology that allows for our learning. It's a co-flourishing process. We all partners in flourishing. Thank you, Karima, that's so beautiful. Um, so Karima, you you know, I've I've really been I really feel very privileged to have been able to um, have had exposure to Tamkeen and to yourself and to your extremely beautiful community. And um, something that I've really felt over the time of having had that exposure is that the approach that um, the Tamkeen movement is taking really uh, is far deeper than a process or a method or a, a particular set of guidelines that it really reaches into a very deep philosophical um, intent, uh, an approach, a, a, a difference in the way that we perceive what we are doing together, how we are being together um, and a reconnection with our human values, our humanity, and our willingness to perceive each other fundamentally differently. And so, um, you know, what, what I would love to ask you is, is in this process of really starting to articulate um, a fundamentally philosophical difference, what have you found to be some of the challenges along the way in learning a heart to collectively hold this space for belonging, hold this space for love. Um, and beyond that, how are you starting to see the diffusion of this capacity to hold space for belonging take place? Um, the, the challenge, I think probably the greatest challenge um, was learning patience. Um, patience and not in the understanding that you wait to see, but rather in how Tabrizi beautifully puts it, when you see the thorn, when you look at the thorn, 
you see the rose. And you see the rose with the whole. Everything, the rose. Um, and that was a learning. And that learning, we, we learned it with our partners. It happens with very small things, like in a, in a school, to have a workshop planned and to arrive and to find a dynamic that no one was expecting to be there and to be there and to change everything, to be in the moment, to experience that, to mirror back, to, um, to, to be, um, uh, as you said, uh, Tinkin is not a theory, it's not a, a method. Um, it, it's, it's, um, it allows us to together experience the beauty of trusting our humanity. So any situation becomes an opportunity. Any situation is a situation where we can experience, learn to experience that. And you may expect the unexpected, but when you have unexpected land, then the questions come. And when the questions come, then the conversations come. And when the conversations come, then it's the relationship that is fed and nurtured and the, and the, and the trust is further, further watered. So the patience. And it's not always simple. Also to let go. To let go, to trust things to come coming. It's uh, learning to see uh, like we were, as if we see a melody. That is something that we've learned to do, that we are learning, still learning with our partners, to see the melody. Our eyes fragment, divide in order to grasp. Our ears, when they hear the melody, they hear the whole melody. If it's just part of the some of the notes, it's in a different melody. So how do we learn to see that? That is a learning, a beautiful learning. And to realize in that letting go that if we are the gardeners and learn to let things grow, not pulling them up, <laughs> trusting that that flower, that that seed has all to express its potential and by expressing its potential to express the world's potential. Mm. If we are learning to do that together, we are actually not only the gardener, we are also the gardener. And that is beyond being humbled. That is being in humility. This is how we deeply ex experience it. Karina, this is just, this is like listening to magic. I have to be honest with you and trying to describe how magic works. And I'm really taken by the, the language that you're using quite intentionally, which is to say, and I, and I feel, and I'd love your reflection on this, because I feel that this language is a different kind of language from that which operates in many other interventionist improvement paradigm programmatic responses to educational improvement, let alone any type of social policy. So I wonder how, how might we or how have you 
being able to take people on this journey really quite practically, you know, because I think all of us are used to hearing the single note or, you know, verse one and not and actually not seeing the rose because we're so focused on the thorn. Or as you say, this is a profound this is a profoundly system level conversation, evolutionary, visionary kind of conversation, which is we are not just the gardener, we are also the garden. I mean this is kind of consciousness we're also talking about here, which I didn't expect. So can you just give us some almost advice on how, how does one practically take communities, other human beings on that journey when sometimes it's, Karim, I don't want better questions. I just want the answer. Can't you just tell me the answer and we'll get the program and we'll fix it? Share a little bit on, about that. It, it, it starts with what we're doing today together. Look, I've met you for the first time in this conversation. I'm very lucky to know and to have a beautiful friendship with Robin. But we've met the first time. And it's this genuine interest of meeting. Um, and, and, um, and, and, and deeply, deeply understanding and wanting to grow that understanding that it's only together that uh, we can grow an understanding on our humanity. Mm. We can only together, we can learn to co-create the conditions for the emergence of the ecosystems of our societal harmony and human flourishing. Only together, we can learn uh, to weave into the very fabric of our societies, our schools, our organization, uh, the love that reflects the humanity that defines us and connects us. So we all, it's like the parable of the elephant of Ibn Arabi, the blind man feeling the elephant. We have all been blessed to feel, to sense, to have a different language, to express different things, but it's together. And it doesn't really matter if we understand what an elephant is at the end of the day. Is that very process that allows us uh, to become an expression of our own humanity. This is what we call a humanizing society. It's a metamorphic process. We become what we are. Yeah. So when the school comes and tells us we have so many challenges and we have, we're sitting in a circle and the directors there and the teachers and the principal and, the, and they start talking about the school, about the neighborhood in which the school is, about the families um, that do not know, some of the families do not know how to read and write and the, the violence and the, and you just say, where's the light? Mm. Tell us of the small things where you see the light. And then there is a moment of silence and they start talking about their school. Well, yes, the director says, the teachers, they're wonderful. Mm. 
despite all this, this is what I see in the teachers. And then the teachers see this and they said, and the students. And some said, some of the families and the school. They start talking about the same school, yet it is no longer the same school. Everything has changed, yet nothing has changed. Mm. So then we say, let's imagine, let's think of the school as a garden. Who are the flowers? How can these flowers flourish? They can only flourish together. So as soon as I see the school as a garden, I'm no longer engineering. I'm no longer in the arrogance and the delusion that I can change something, that I can change another human being. I can only co-create the conditions with love. And it's in that mirror. And it's in that mirror that things happen. But what is beautiful is that as soon as they start seeing this and talking about the school like that, they become the mirror to us. Rima, it's, um, it's really, as it's always beautiful listening to you because I think it serves as a, as a powerful reminder of really what, what a systems shift means. It's not superficial. It really is foundational. Um, and it embraces this concept of transcendence. So not reaching a better space by continuing to try and shift, um, shift things on the basis of deficit from what we know to what we think should be, but really fundamentally recreating or re stepping into a new way of seeing that allows us to transcend and that allows us to step closer to what we fundamentally are in terms of our our own humanity and what we have forgotten um, and it's 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 profoundly beautiful and profoundly philosophical and yet um, absolutely real and tangible a very simple step to make the the hardness the hardness of the movement lies in our willingness to surrender, really. Um, so just an extremely beautiful um, opportunity to be in conversation with you um, and, um, and to be inspired, I think, to be inspired uh, by each other. So thank you so much for, for this opportunity. Luca, um, I'm going to ask if there's anything further that you have it's always you know, dreadful to come to the end of a time with Karima. I, I, I would have to say, Robin and Karima, looking at our questions, even now, I feel like the, we couldn't have asked. One of our questions is, how have you enabled effective practice? You know, and, and, and of course, you know, it's kind of at a different level of almost consciousness, it's a different level of understanding of how you know, and to enable anything, I think uh, maybe you could just give us a brief response on this, Karima, um, assumes that we somehow know <laughs> as opposed to creating the conditions for the emergence, the resonance of true human potential to be unlocked. 
And that really practically, Robin, to your point, this is both philosophical but it's very practical as well because we experience a system every day. Classrooms function in a particular way based on a particular philosophy that can also shift. So, yeah, Karima, we're well and truly off script now, which I think is perfectly appropriate. Would you, what comment would you say about the, you know, we started with the questions that we ask. And so do you have a, a sense of what are the best questions that we must ask? I think the very idea of best resolves. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a great point. Yeah. But um, I can share with you a question today. The more you hold on to change, the more you focus on change, the less there is change. That is a paradox. This process is silent. There is a beautiful melody. But the deep transformation is silent. How do you talk about the silent transformation without being in the way of the silence? We haven't got a website, no Facebook. Our partners talk about their processes in the education system, in the neighborhoods, in the faculty. We took the time to grow the language with our partners. Is that the responsibility of the word? We are learning how not to be in the way of what is coming by itself. And it's beautiful. And when we experience that, and our partners experience that. We want to share that. That resonance somehow is connected to that diffusion. And that takes us to the other big question. How does this diffuse dissolving? Not attached to an organization. Not attached to a commodified method. Not attached to a person or leader. Or, but rather to the trust in our humanity. And what does that kind of trust mean? Is it the kind of trust that one can trust is hard to beat? We know that our trust, the heart will not beat one day. Yet, there is a kind of trust that does not take us to hold on, to be constantly aware. Mm. That would harm our, health, our heart. It will bring anxiety and stress. And isn't that what we're doing? And as a final point that I think is so important is that despite the expertise, because we've grown so much expertise, despite the expertise we've grown all over the world to dehumanize the contexts in which our lives are unfolding. We have failed. It takes very little to co-create the conditions with love, in love, 
to the expression of our humanity that transcends us into the very imminence of what we are. Mm. It transcends us and our creative selves. Karima, it's been it's been a real delight. I mean, I, I would my re final reflection is that I think it's rare when you have a a conversation that changes you, and I think that might be one of the challenges that we have is all this knowledge and expertise, <laughs> but but no real, yeah not enough depth around wisdom perhaps and so what i've what i'm taking from you is how do we enable a silent transformation but not get in the way of the silence i mean that that's a very there's lots of really profound i think questions you've asked and a story really that you've told um a harmonizing harmonic story as well filled with metaphor so thank you so much for joining us for this conversation Thank you. I'm so grateful to both of you.